Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, on this wonderful uh, Wednesday morning. As you know, we have Aaron Benward and Brian McComas on with us today, singer-songwriters um, from Nashville and Plug. Audiences remember Aaron Benward from his days in the country duo with the top ten single, Good Little Girls and were nominated three times for CMA ACM Duel of the Year. Brian McComas can be remembered from his top ten hit, 99.9% Sure, I've Never Been Here Before, and the follow-up, You're In My Head, on the country chart. Both McComas and Ben Ward have had significant success in the music industry, with combined album sales over a million copies, multiple Billboard number one hits, toured extensively in the United States, and have been writing songs for many years. It was their desire to create and sell products through their production company that shed light on the parts of music that most people never get the chance to see. That was the inspiration behind Nashville Unplugged, the story behind the song, a show that brings successful artists, singers, songwriters, and live audiences together for a night of storytelling and entertainment. The show combines the hit songs of the entertainers with a behind-the-scenes look at how a song is born and how it becomes a chart-topping hit. Let's welcome to the airwaves, Aaron and Brian. How are you guys? Hey, Deborah, what's up? <laughs> hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, first of all, thank you, thank you for making us sound bigger than life, man. It makes <laughs> you feel good. Well, so, I'm... Yes, always glad to help on that on that level. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Most of those million albums were given away, actually. So that's... <laughs> no, We've given I... away millions of albums. That's what that's what it is. I don't believe that in the least. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you both have been in the business for years now. What what led to your initial decision to pursue music? Go ahead, Brian. Aaron, go ahead. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll jump in, man. Uh, for me, this is Aaron speaking. For me, um, I grew up in a music home. My dad was a gospel singer from the time I can remember, and that's how he put food on the table. Um, so I was literally, that's all I knew, really, from the standpoint of my dad, you know, traveling really the world and, and singing and, and him coming home and writing albums and recording records. And and that was you know, as as my as my mentor and the guy that I look up to as as a role model in my life, my father, I you know naturally wanted to be like him. And so, growing up, you know, I started playing piano young at about in about fourth grade, and and then um, actually gave most of my time to athletics growing up. And then all through high school, just kind of in you know was in musical theater and things like that. Never really wrote much as a songwriter in high school um, until when I was the day I was graduate from high school, my dad kind of said, Aaron, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, Dad, I want to do what you do. I want to, I want to, I know I want to go into music. And it was there that the, uh, the idea was born for my first kind of life in music. And that was, uh, tra- traveling with my father, uh, in Christian music. Uh, and then, um, from there went on into to country music and did the Blue County thing that you mentioned in the intro. And now, uh, on into songwriting and producing and, and developing and, and the show that Brian and I have now in Las Vegas called National Unplugged, as well as our radio show that we have. So it's kind of been a, uh, a natural progression, just because that's all I knew growing up, personally. Wow. That's, wow. Quite an quite a, a intro into uh, music, because you've always grown up with it. 
yeah, I mean, it was just like, you know, as a, I think it's very, I, I love the, I, I'm a little bit of a, of, an old, of a traditionalist from the standpoint of, you know, having a son and not having my own son now and raising my own son to be able to be an apprentice uh, to my father. And now hopefully he seems to be somewhat doing the same with me as he's, you know, kind of leaning to me and looking to me for, for direction and, and things in music and the arts. And so, you know, I think it's very, uh, there's very, uh, there's a lot of power in that. There's a lot of effectiveness and, and uh, ability to to really give and translate and, and download, if you will, to the next generation. Yeah. Brian, talk, Brian, talk about your, your beginning. Well, uh, I, I would have to say I, I grew up wanting to be like Aaron's dad and wanting to be in a duo with Aaron's dad <laughs> and uh, because uh, he rejected me because he already had a son. Uh, my insane jealousy drove me to being a solo artist. <laughs> And so that's uh, that's basically what happened with me. And, and uh, no, and, and in all seriousness, I, I grew up always curious uh, who those guys were that were writing all the songs. And uh, it, just like most people, I thought that songs were written by the people that were singing in most times. And, and uh, so I started flipping open the, the back of the jewel case and reading who had written the songs, expecting to see the artist's name, and found out more times than not uh, it wasn't the artist that wrote the songs, uh, and and that really turned my key. And one guy in particular that that was really uh, an influence to me at the time was a guy by the name of Paul Overstreet. He was writing tons of of really uh, you know successful music at the time. A, a lot of Randy Travis hits, Forever and Every Man, and On the Other Hand, and things like that. He wrote When You Say Nothing at All for Keith Whitley, and uh, just I, I could go on. Aaron and I could probably waste the rest of your time just naming Paul Overstreet hits, couldn't we, A.B.? Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to do what he did. So I sent some uh, songs to his publishing company to make a, a, a long story as short as I can. He got back with me. Uh, I didn't get anything cut immediately when I was 16 or 17 years old, but I got enough positive uh, feedback from his publishing company uh, that made me think, hey, I got the bug. So I moved to Nashville in the mid-'90s, uh, got signed to a publishing deal that turned into a record deal, which turned into another record deal, which turned into a couple of failed hits, which turned into a couple of successful ones. And uh, that was my long road, and it's it's been 17, 18 years now. And uh, you know, to my good fortune, I connected with uh, my good friend Aaron a few years back, and we started our production company, which eventually led to our first venture, which was Nashville Unplugged, and now our radio show as well, The Riders Round. Okay, well, successful would not even, like, describe the two of you. Um, I think there's another word for you, like overachievers, uh, anonymous, uh, things like that. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely any achievement with me is an overachievement, so I would agree with you there. (laughs) I think think to to your point, man, I mean, overachiever is, is, I consider that a compliment. I think Brian is, too, from the standpoint of, you know, we we are all limited in, in in our abilities. All of us do. Every single person listening, every you know, everybody on the planet, obviously, we all have limitations. And to be able to recognize, you know, strengths and weaknesses in, in our lives is an important is an important thing to us. And then also, at times, finding those strategic partnerships and those those guys and or girls that that really kind of offset some of the things that you may not necessarily care is really kind of the recipe for Brian and I. I mean, we. We met each other. Uh, we knew, we've known each other for a while. We basically kind of came out at the same time in country music when he was on uh, Lyric Street Records and I was on Curb Records with Blue County. We 
were kind of running around the country and playing shows, and, and we kind of crossed paths. And our kids, at the same time, went to the same school growing up. So we would see each other passing oh. the halls and, hey, what's up, that kind of thing. And it wasn't until um, I had the opportunity, because we, we both love coaching, I had the opportunity to start coaching a middle school football team that my son was playing on there in uh, mm-hmm. Nashville. And uh, I saw Brian one day say, hey, man, I know you're an athlete. I said, would you ever think about coaching? We need a defensive, co- we need a defensive coordinator. He said, absolutely. And so that was his our- first mistake. <laughs> I think we went 0-10 that year, but that wasn't the size point. Um, but uh, anyway, that's, that, that's what began our, our friendship. From that, we began to dream about some things and start talking about ideas. And uh, from that, we really wanted to shed light on uh, who we call the heroes uh, of music. It's and that's the songwriters, those guys and girls that are behind the scenes creating the great songs and the great art that a lot of times recording artists uh, are able to put down on uh, on a CD or now on iTunes. Uh, and uh, so that's kind of where the heart of what we do now has uh, was born. Wonderful. Um, well, can you – well, now that obviously we, we mentioned Nashville and Plus, the story behind the song, which is your show that you play in Vegas. And elsewhere, correct? Do it all other places. Um, Absolutely. Can you take us through a night on stage? Go for it, Brian. Well, I think the the fun part is for us that the first thing that people get an opportunity to do when they walk into one of our shows is they get a little slip of paper in front of them at their table. And we we've been really blessed to have folks kind of begin to open themselves up to the situation where, uh, you know, they're coming every Friday night loyally if, if they're based in the Las Vegas area. And if they're not, they seem to be getting turned on to it either by our radio show or by uh, just the, some of the print media and, and nice folks like yourself that are getting the word out for us. Uh, so the room's pretty full, and that means we get a lot of cards put into this cowboy hat at the front of our stage. Uh, full of suggested song titles. And every single night we write a new song based off of one of those suggested titles that the audience members put in that hat. We call that portion of our show Songs from the Hat. So that's what the first thing that somebody will get when they walk into one of our shows is a a little card so they can write down a suggested song title. Uh, We come out, and as always, we have two guests. Sometimes we have one guest. If that guest has written so many hits that we don't have time for all of them, we'll just have one. But more times than not, we have two. And we'll introduce those guests, and, and we get right to it right from the beginning, don't we, A.B.? We'll we'll just get right to the, the songs and uh, start what would be normally known in Nashville as a writer's round, where if you had one guitar, you'd pass it around, but we're all smart enough to bring our own so the <laughs> night moves faster. And we let our guests start singing the hits that – Literally, we're blessed enough to have the biggest songwriters on the planet at our shows. Uh, folks who have had number one after number one after number one, uh, we're fortunate enough to have those guys and gals as our guests. And so we let them start singing right to right to the beginning, and I'll hand off the, the baton there, A.B. Yeah, I think the coolest thing about our show, I think, when is that, you know, I'm not, I don't want to go out on a limb too far, but I think in all of Las Vegas and potentially around the country, we have a we have a residency where we're there every Friday night at Red Rock Hotel and Casino there in Las Vegas. We have our own room called Lounge that we play in, and it's a, a very intimate setting. And every Friday night, our show is different. And the reason why it's different is because, obviously, as Brian stated, we have we have different guests every single every single week. 
that bring different songs, different personalities, different stories, uh, and, and different talents. And the thing about our show is it's very interactive. There's nothing rehearsed, so whatever you see, whenever you might see a, one of us or a guest or jumping in on each other's songs and, and, and playing and or singing harmonies and, and just kind of improving, if you will, that's all just... That's all the language that we speak. We as musicians and artists and writers have a little bit of different language sometimes than, the, than maybe the, the, the normal public, and that is music. And um, so we, sometimes we, uh, we do that. Uh, there's a lot of stories told that are incredibly funny. Some of the funniest people on the planet are these genius songwriters that, are, that put pen to paper and come up with some of the greatest lyrics and stories in the world. They, are, they also tell great stories. And so... You know, that's kind of like we're on a back porch or sitting in your in your living room right in front of you and uh, very interactive with the audience, very interactive with us on stage. And, uh, and then as the night progresses, as, they, as people hear song after song that they know and, and the stories behind those songs, we kind of uh, bring it to a, to, to a high point with the song from the hat. That is the, the, the title that we choose and write, us, write, write that night. And then we kind of end the evening on, on an up note with, you know, arguably some of the biggest songs in country music. So... That's how. That's kind of an hour and a half, if you will, hour to hour and four, hour and a half to hour and forty-five minute show, and how it progresses. And uh, you know, it's, it's a situation we've seen. We started four years ago in Las Vegas, and uh, one night a month. Now that we uh, have been ready to celebrate our fourth year uh, at, at uh, four nights a week now, every Friday night, it's, it's, it's proof that people something they don't normally get, different kind of show. You know, they bring they bring friends, they bring family when they're in from out of town, and. Uh, now we have a, a, a packed house on Friday nights at Red Rock Casino. Yeah, we should say definitely, A.B., at Red Rock uh, Casino and Resort and Spa, the hotel, that's who houses our show. It's at the Rocks Lounge every Friday night at 8 o'clock, and doors are always at 7. What? Um, who, who came up with the idea of having the audience, like, uh, choose the song title? for you guys, or who came up with that idea of, of giving the audience the, you know, that, that option? Well, this is, this is Brian, I would say, and I think Aaron would agree, we have to give some of that credit to uh, the young lady who books our show and is the VP of Entertainment for Station Casinos, which owns Red Rock uh, Resort and Casino and owns Green Valley Ranch, which is where our show originated. Uh, her name's Judy Alberti, and uh, we we asked her for an opportunity to bring this crazy idea of a, an acoustic performance into their hotel chain, and because we knew her from uh, when we were artists back in the day, I guess we technically still are, but when we had songs continually playing on the radio, uh, <laughs> and, and we both had kind of, you know, we're, we're striking while the iron was hot as artists. Uh, she had booked us a couple of times individually, so we made the phone call. She said, sure, you can bring your acoustic show out here. I'll give it a try. Uh, she said, you know, let's give it three months, one time a month for three months, see how it works. Our audience doubled every single uh, time we had a show, and somewhere during the course of that, Erin, I believe it was after the first show, she said, you know what, I've got an idea, and she threw out the idea, and we kind of morphed it and played with it a little bit and molded it until it became Songs from the Hat. Is, is, am I remembering that right, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, as, as, as most great ideas happen, you know, in the council of many, wisdom is established. We try to, we try to uh, open ourselves up to, to great ideas from, from our friends and elsewhere. And she had this thought of, you know, how do we incorporate the audience into the show to where it's not that they don't feel like an outsider or an observer, but actually a part of it, and that's how we came up. Uh, all three of us sitting around a table, but having dinner uh, 
or songs from that. Wow. Amazing. Um, okay, so when, okay, when performers generally hit the stage, they usually have a ritual that they do before they hit the stage. What is your ritual before you hit the stage? Well, if we told you, we might have to kill you. We can't tell you that, Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, you know, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a ritual per se. You know, uh, we usually are backstage in Rock's Lounge. Um, uh, we usually maybe have a celebratory drink beforehand uh, to, to get out there with our guests. Um, and or depending on the night, sometimes we've had a word of prayer before we go out and thanking God for the opportunity to be able to be able to be blessed to to, to play music as a for a living. Uh, to uh, you know, usually taking a, a quick picture before we head out right behind the curtain, and uh, it's more of just uh, bringing the guests into the brotherhood, if you will, of of this songwriter in the round thing in Las Vegas that is taking uh, taking the city bus. And, and and I would have to add to to what Aaron's saying. And Aaron is a better uh, preparer. He's better at preparation than I am. Uh, this is Brian speaking, uh, of course, since I'm speaking about Aaron. Uh, and so uh, he's one of those guys. And and I don't know. I've never really asked him, but uh, I from what I've picked up by just looking around as far as example, uh, he likes to be prepared going into things. I, on the other hand, I don't even know if I've ever really talked to Aaron about this. I'm not good with sitting somewhere for 30, 40 minutes waiting on a show to start. That's never been something that, that's worked well for me. If I do that and I have that much time to think about it, then I don't react. Uh, I'm not as spontaneous. Uh, somehow I get uh, driven down and kind of drowned in my mood, uh, and, and it, it makes the show less interesting, at least from my perspective, and I think because of that, uh, to the audience from my perspective. So... I like to get there, literally, and Aaron will attest to this, sometimes five minutes before the show starts. I'll just walk into the dressing room, and and, I, and at that point, I'm on go. I'm, I'm, I'm in my mode, where Aaron may have been there for 20 or 30 minutes a lot of times. Uh, so he's, he's kind of the rock, the stability, and, and I'm kind of maybe the loose cannon in that sense, I think. Aaron, is that fair? Yeah, I mean, sure, but you know, I, I don't, I don't think you need to perceive that as a negative. I mean, I think that, you know, the way the way Brian goes about, um, you know, getting doing the show is it's extremely entertaining. Those that, that come to our show know that uh, he's probably one of the quickest, quickest wittest guys you've ever met, and mm. that obviously helps in our uh, song from the hat every night because you know, quite frankly. The song from the hat is a song that we usually choose that, that has humor attached, and uh, and that Brian won't tell you this, but he actually has a degree in comedic acting. So the dude, oh. knows, the dude knows humor, and so it really really helps in uh, in, in in what we do. Like, again, back to what we said said a little bit earlier, man. It's it's, it's important to know strengths and weaknesses in, each, in in yourself so that you can find those whether in business, whether in relationships, whether in uh, wh- whatever the potential partnership may be to make it uh, something that has a, a shot of being successful. And I, I really feel blessed and honored to be doing that with Brian because he definitely brings a lot of things that I don't. Yeah, I, I can tell you from my perspective, it comes from really originally having extreme stage fright. And the only way I really knew how to do it was to jump into the deep end of the pool. If I had too much time to think about it, I used to get nervous. And I would I would psych myself out. Uh, so that that's really where it comes from, where Aaron is kind of – he's had – 
years and years of training on stage, as he told you earlier, uh, with his family. It's, it's kind of been the family business. That was not the case for me. So the stage was a foreign place, you know, and goofing off, uh, you know, on time was yeah. not something I was always a pro at. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, since Natural and Fog is the story behind the song, can you tell us some stories behind the actual show? Very interesting. Aaron, we've got some <laughs> exciting things coming up on the horizon this year, potentially, so maybe maybe we could share some of that. Yeah, man, dive in. Uh, well, it looks like by the end of the year, uh, we will at least be dabbling in television with our show. We'll move from our radio show into a television show as well, uh, and that's something we're extremely excited about. To think that just four years ago, we were once a month uh, in a, a live room in, in Las Vegas, and that was exciting enough to us. Uh, we did have a five-year plan, and radio was involved, and, and the distant dream of television was there, too. But to think that we may actually accomplish what we set out to do in five years, boy, the people who know us well wouldn't have expected that. How about that, A.B.? <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, and I think to, to, to add to that, I mean, it's, as he tells you kind of about the future of National Unplug, I'll go back to the genesis of it. And, you know, the story behind the genesis of it was really, you know, in Nashville, uh, where Brian and I, I, I now live in California, but but at the time I was living there and grew up there. Brian and I, you know, and, and it was musicians and writers and guys that, that have been in a community, creative community there for quite a while. We we knew and were introduced to and, and often involved in any songwriter rounds like we're talking about that we do in Vegas. And it was, you know, there's Tin Pan South, which is a songwriter festival in Nashville. There's you know, numerous venues around the city on, on any given night of the week in Nashville where, the, where these type of shows happen from the standpoint of passing the guitar around and or sitting on stage on stools and, and, and talking about your songs. And we really feel like, we really felt like I should say that, that we could take it outside of the town because, you know, over the over the history of uh, of what we know about it, it hasn't really been, hadn't been, um, been able to sustain outside of Nashville on a consistent basis. And we knew if we got a venue, if we had a venue, and we had somebody who was committed to the concept, namely the, the aforementioned Judy Alberti and Stacey Casinos, Red Rock, um, and and had a radio station that would partner with us and get the word out and begin to educate the, 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 uh, the audience about songwriting and songwriters and stories behind songs and how they're born and what goes on and how, the process of writing songs, we really felt like it would be an interesting thing for people. And all of those components came together, and, and that's, the, that's what our dream was and our, what our thought and our goal was. If we had all these things, then this would happen has come true. And so, and so often as entrepreneurs and, and as businessmen, as guys that dream and are creative, you know, you, you, you hope and pray that your idea comes to fruition. I mean, we, you know, we are only as good as our last idea. And uh, this idea has proven itself to, to, to live and live on and continue to live on as it continues to grow. And man, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really awesome. And to do, with a, to do with a brother like Brian, and we, we, we're able to spend so much time together and spend life together, do life together, share families, share, you know, it's more than just, you know, business. It's, it's really a, a partnership and, and, a, and a friendship that, that will last long after National Unplugged has its day. Right. 
Now, what will the new show be about? Will it be like taking it to a television, in other words, bringing what you do on stage to television? Yeah, I think in a lot of ways it will. Obviously, the the TV show is still in development, so there are some details that maybe haven't been pounded completely out. Uh, Mm -hmm. Definitely some things that we want to keep uh, a little close to the vest as far as uh, what will hopefully be some surprises for those folks who are loyal listeners to the radio show. But in short, the answer is yes. But basically, what we want to do is take people even further behind the scenes uh, to what happens backstage before our live show, what happens on our radio show, and how we may actually come up with some ideas for original songs. Uh, again, I think Aaron was was really sharp in, in going back to the genesis of what went on. And when we started our production company, Empire Productions, uh, believe it or not, Aaron, almost five years ago, uh, the, the main, I guess, mission statement for us was that in everything we did, that we would really want to educate people. didn't matter what it was. Whatever element of entertainment that we provided, we wanted it to be a combination of entertainment and education. Because, again, there are those people out there who don't realize that the artist singing the song may not write it. There's people out there who may not realize some of the things we get into on our radio show when we've got... Uh, like Rob Dalton, who's the president of a very successful record label and entertainment company, who's our industry insider on our radio show. He'll share things that people don't know that are inside pieces of the music industry that give our listening audience a little something to latch on to uh, that maybe they didn't know about the music business before. We peel back that curtain as much as we possibly can. And, and I guess maybe we would, we'd be really bad promoters if we didn't talk about how blessed we've been to have Coyote 102.7 and Las Vegas, the reporting radio station there, is, is part of our support team from the beginning. Absolutely, man. I, I, I love how you said education and entertainment. We call that edutainment. That's what we do. We edutainment. We've got edutainment. <laughs> uh, well, it, 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 uh, it amazes me that artists such as yourself and as, as enormous as the successes as you've been, that you would – you would want to take the time to educate people. In other words, that is not something generally you hear. I'm just going to be honest. That's not generally something that you hear from someone who's very, very successful is taking that to people and making sure that they understand or giving them a glimpse inside, you know, this is how it, it's done. And so to your credit, that's, that's, that's amazing giving back. Well, thanks. You know, I think you know, I think we both feel that uh, we're, you know, any any type of any type of art, you know, uh, meaning songs to movies to paintings to fashion to whatever. When you with that that standing alone is completely subjective. You know, any song on that stage on a Friday night, anybody in the audience might love or. The person right next to him might not really feel or be be connected to, but the other person may be brought to tears. That element of what we do is 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 the heart uh, of of where it comes from, what we're about. The the fact that everybody has a desire, I think. Well, I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of people have a desire to know, <laughs> get in the head. If you had an opportunity to get in the head of Michelangelo, or to get in the head of, you know, Tim McGraw, or to get in the head of some of the greats that that you know uh, that that do that we have been blessed to do. Not by no means are I'm not comparing myself to, to anybody any of those caliber of people. But point is to be able to see 
the inner workings of that to, to be able to at least feel like you know a little bit more than just being on the outside and being affected by the art uh, brings substance to it and, and allows you to be invested in it and allows you to, I don't know, tangibly almost feel it materialize in front of you. And so, therefore, you're, you're a lot more loyal to it. And, you know, we, uh, we wouldn't have this opportunity. We wouldn't be talking to you if uh, people hadn't shown up the very tonight that we did it almost four years ago at Green Valley Ranch in, 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 in Las Vegas when those 30, 35 people showed up. And they took it upon themselves to go, you know what, I love that. I was affected by that. I needed that. I was here at the right, I was at the right place at the right time for whatever reason tonight. And I'm going to go tell people, and I'm going to bring some people back. And that, that way, the next month, there were 70 people. And it continued to grow like that because we were able to marry art and marry education, marry, marry passion, and Mary, you know, the, the, how things work and the inner workings of it to, to where people got, got it and they, they got a taste of it and they wanted more. And, and I'm the same way. I love Inside the Actor's Studio. Why? Because right. I'm able to sit there and listen to these guys and girls that I so admire from an acting perspective or a directing perspective or a screenwriting perspective and go, whoa, that's where they were at. That's where they were at. That's where they were going. That's what they wanted to accomplish. And therefore, that movie or that performance or that whatever made me completely look at it in different eyes because I knew what was happening behind the scenes. Right. Yeah, that, that, that's so true, uh, Deborah. And let's face it, I mean, songs, and you know this, and Aaron feels it and I feel it, collectively we wouldn't be on the phone right now all with such a love of music if we didn't believe this, that the songs that we have are the soundtrack to our individual lives. The songs we listen to, the right. songs that we hear on the radio or albums, it's the soundtrack to our lives. And to have an opportunity for our audience, uh, be it you know uh, live or radio and soon TV, and, and I know your audience is the same way, uh, you know, to, to be able to get an opportunity to peek into the minds and the hearts of what it was that inspired that person right there at that moment, uh, to to write the song that may be the song that we chose for our wedding, or the song that was played at our dad's funeral, or the song that we wanted our little baby to be born into the world listening to. It makes a huge difference to know a little bit more about where the origin and the genesis of that song came from, the emotion and the thoughts that were going on with the writer. Uh, it, it allows you to connect and to see that those writers think and feel and act and cry and laugh just like we do. Uh, and they're just able to put it down in a way that emotes the energy uh, that we're feeling at the same time. Right. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Has... Uh, can you give us some examples of some of the songs you've had to come up with in a short period of time? And was there ever a time that you guys said, there's no way I can come up with a song with this, but you do anyway? <laughs> Every week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's, it, it, you know, I'm, I don't want to put it out in the universe that that, that might happen because it hasn't happened yet and it's not going to happen. I'm going to go ahead and claim that right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we, we, we actually, uh, a couple of the titles, Aaron, I mean, what last week's was uh, You're the One That Drove Me to Drinking, So At Least You Could Drive Me Home. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I think the uh, not too many weeks before that we had I uh, should have married your sister. Uh, that that was definitely a, a heartfelt song. 
uh, we we get these titles from our audience, and uh, keep in mind it's the Las Vegas audience, and and so some of them we can't talk about on the radio because it's a twenty one and over show. Right. But but the uh, the reality is we we're never ceased to be shocked by our audience, and <laughs> somebody's always got something that makes us blush. Uh, but but as Aaron said, more times than not, uh, we we try to be a little bit funny. And uh, you know, try to stick a little bit of silliness into that part of the show, because uh, generally, some of the songs that some of the other folks are singing during the course of the night is a time that might be bringing people to tears. So we got to get the laughter in there somewhere, right, AB? Absolutely. That's that's a great combination. What um, since you, you've been on this journey and you you've also been on on the journey in the music industry, what would you say, uh, Aaron and Brian, separately, uh, what would you say would be the one thing that would surprise people to know about the industry? Good question. Um, in, you're talking the, the industry, meaning the business side of it, or, or any, or the creative side, or either. Or. Either or, uh, just in general, like the music industry, because there's so much involved in the music industry. There's songwriting. There's 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 uh, the singer. There's the you know the lyrics. The this the that. And so, what would be the biggest thing that that would surprise people about all of that? Well, I have a thought on that. Go ahead. Yeah, I would say that if you're on the radio and you have a video and you may be all over the Internet, it doesn't necessarily mean that you've made a lot of money. Um, and uh. and I, I think there's a, a, a big misunderstanding uh, to what actually goes on with artists out there. Uh, many artists never see a dime uh, from record sales because they're, they're so far in debt with their record companies uh, off of what it t- takes to get them off the ground to begin with. Uh, plenty of times there there are artists out there that have a hit or two on the radio and because of, of maybe they don't know how to work the business side as well, maybe they're not educated, uh, they possibly could have been taken advantage of, or maybe they just haven't made enough money uh, through bookings, et cetera, that they're struggling just like everybody else is out there. So when you're supporting an artist, you're not always supporting the dire straits version of, uh, you know, that's <laughs> money for nothing. Uh, it, it, people are out there working really hard, uh, many times six, seven, eight years uh, with their you know nose to the grindstone before they ever even break through. And even when they break f- through, they have to hope for three, four, five hits strung together to actually begin to be able to see the money that everybody thinks they're making. Uh, is that fair, AB? Oh, absolutely. And I, I think from my perspective, to 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 add to that, um, I mean, I, I think we could. <laughs> We could we could have a whole other about the things that people don't know about the music business. But, um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but I think to the point that you're making about artists and uh, you know, kind of the 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 process of getting there, and, and it's not what it seems all the time. I think in addition to that, I think to get to that place, so often the the, the consumers and the and the buying public and the, the listeners and fans. They see somebody come out of nowhere, if you will, and, and they feel like, boy, they, that was an overnight success. And truly, I think the part about the business that 
so many times people cannot uh, cannot deal with and endure are the closed doors, the no's, the you're not good enough, better songs than that in my trash can, uh, to, the, <laughs> to the, you know, uh, we already have somebody like you to, oh, man, yeah, we just signed this person to, you know, the list goes, I mean, I could say go on and on, because what happens is so often when a new artist who's fresh and young and vibrant and feeling like the world's ahead of them, and it is, and there's no mountain they can't climb, and there isn't. They walk into uh, an office because they got there usually relationally. That's one of the things I was going to mention before Brian went down this road is that so much business in the music business as well as, as really the film business and anything else of what I've learned is so relational. But these get, these kids that say get into these offices and they, 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 you know, they're nervous and their hands are shaking and their voice is probably trembling a little bit and they look their best. They went and bought an outfit the night before at the coolest place in Nashville. And they went in because this is their shot, and they kind of get a ah, that was good. That was a nice a, a reaction. Ah, oh, that's nice. Or that's, yeah, or well, yeah. What else you got? Or well, we'll call you, man. We'll, we'll kind of let's keep talking, keep writing, keep doing this. And they and all of a sudden that adrenaline and that positiveness and that oh my gosh, this is my shot. You get hit with a dose of reality of these people that they're singing for are looking for every excuse not to sign. Not every reason why I should sign them. They look for every excuse not to, which is it's it's fault. That's that's faulty in and of itself, in my opinion. But so yeah, fewer people get record deals every year than make the NBA draft. Absolutely, absolutely. So to be able to so what people don't know, you, you, to be able to endure in this business, you better be ready to hear no more than to, more than you hear yes, and be willing to use that as fuel and as fire to continue on your journey and your dream if that is truly what you're called to do and supposed to do, rather than use that as, I'm not good enough, I'll never make it, I, that's not going to happen. So it's, it's definitely, uh, you hear tough skin and thick skin, well, it's definitely, definitely true. It's good. What, uh, okay, so, so just switching gears for a second, <clears throat> I understand, Aaron, that you obviously come from a family of talent, in addition to becoming to being a singer songwriter, you're also an actor. Um, are there any upcoming projects besides the Nashville Unplugged that you're taking to TV that you can share with us? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it, it's been a, I, for the last 20 years. I've primarily just done you know just recorded music, written music, toured, uh, and that's been. Uh, by and large, way more than the majority of my in, of my my income and time spent. And as I look, you know, I'll be 40 this year in September. And as I look for the to the next 40 years, really feel like the next season of my life, I want to begin to to truly, truly invest and give time to uh, for producing TV and film, and as well as acting. And uh, you mentioned that, so I'll I'll go ahead and say that that will be out. Yeah, uh, in the summer and the, and then and in the fall, one is called the song, uh, where I play a night, late seventies, early eighties, a kind of outlaw country Waylon Jennings type character, um, and then one is called uh, Acts of God, where I completely different role, where I actually play a, a uh, from Afghanistan and uh, has PTSD and the story of how I deal, how that affects my family and my wife, my relationships and my life and. Uh, how I deal with that. So, so that that was cool, and I think moving forward, you know, uh, 
along with Brian, we 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 we're develop we are developing and, and dreaming up some ideas on our television and film front, as well as I have other guys here in Los Angeles where I live that, that I'm doing that with. So, you know, um, it's fun. It's always again going back to something we spoke about earlier. We're we're in an idea business, uh, and you know, it's a content-driven business, and I think it's uh, uh, only about you know only as good as our last idea. So we're constantly dreaming and scheming and, scheming and thinking, and how how can we get it done? So. Well, that that sounds great. Um, now, with the success of Nashville, the, the show on ABC now, has that had any influence on? Do you believe that that's had any influence on any of like people coming? The National Unplugged in being more interested, or do you feel that that was there before? We really feel like the success of the show Nashville is because of the success of Nashville Unplugged, and all of our viewers and listeners have been driven to that show because of us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Honestly kidding. Uh, no, no. Uh, I think, yeah, I think that's a great point. I think anything that is has the name Nashville stamped across it, uh, especially uh, something that's had the success that that show has in its first season, makes people curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe uh, turns the light on uh, into a, you know something that was a dark place before, uh, where maybe they didn't know a lot about what was going on, and so uh, the storylines and intricacies of, of the television show make people curious, and so something that's title Nashville uh, that might be accessible to them uh, in the live show format or a radio show, absolutely I think that's helped us. Uh, Aaron, don't you? I think the cool thing about Nashville, maybe she's done, is, is it's uh, a, a, a few things, but one of which is I think people that are not necessarily from Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama, or the Carolinas view Nashville as, you know, everybody walks around with overalls and, and a corn cobs and, and, you know, kind of sitting on hay bales all the time. And it's obviously not the truth. It's a, a city that is extremely creative. It's bustling with energy regarding the, the, the arts as as not only country music is, is, is the uh, obviously in the forefront musically, but, man, you got bands like Kings of Leon, Molly Cyrus, Kesha, you know, this goes on and on of pop acts and rock acts now that are, that are coming out of Nashville. Why? Because it's a city that has a, a incredible creative energy uh, as you walk around it and, and get involved in the community there. And so, you know, Nashville, I think, has spread light on the fact that, Nashville the show, I mean, that the city itself is way more than small-minded, uh, you know, conservative right uh, religious types, which those are there, but it's definitely a, 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 a bigger a bigger city and a bigger place than that. And we're, we're definitely blessed to have uh, the types of writers that, that they portray uh, which, what's ironic is the type of writer that they portray on the show Nashville are the types of writers we have every single week. The, the characters on the show Nashville are based off of the real-life people that come and play our show. Right. Uh, so uh, so it's really it's a blessing for us. Uh, Aaron and I were talking about it the other day. The, the last four years since we started our show, there has not been uh, – or every single Song of the Year nomination has been represented – by a writer that's come to our show wow. and been a guest of our show. So uh, we've been really blessed because of that. And, and a couple of years ago, of course, again, now we, we've moved our weekly show to Red Rock Hotel and Casino there in Las Vegas. But we started out at Green Valley Ranch in the Ovation Showroom. 
And while we were in that showroom, that showroom was named uh, the, the showroom of the year for the ACMs uh, the last year we were in it. So we're blessed and proud to be part of that. And, again, we don't take credit for that. We give all the credit to our guests and the dynamic personalities that come and be a part of our show. Aaron and I just facilitate it. We play goalie. We kick the ball back into play when it's kicked over to us. <laughs> uh, well, obviously, um, that alone uh, should make people want to um, – I'm talking to my listeners now. That alone should make you want to go check out Nashville Unplugged, <clears throat> uh, the story behind the song. When you visit Vegas or in your area, check and see if, if they're playing your area uh, because uh, it'll give you a good um, look inside the music industry, how a number one hit is made, and uh, gives you uh, something that no other show has been able to give you uh, up until now. So um, they play at the Red Rock Casino. Red Rock uh, Casino in, um in, in Las Vegas every Friday night, and uh, so if you're in Vegas, definitely check them out. I want to thank uh, Brian and Aaron for joining me. If you would just stay on the line, guys, while I wrap up the show, would you sure. do that? Well, thank you for your time. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, thanks so much, Deborah. We appreciate you and your listeners putting up with us. Oh, absolutely. You've been a pleasure. Um, we want to thank uh, Aaron and, and um, Brian for joining us today. This will conclude our uh, broadcast. Um, Have a great day, everyone.